Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Dirt Radio. Organic. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnates. Activists. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. Good morning and welcome to another edition of uh, Dirt Radio, Friends of the Earth show on 3CR. We're coming at you live from Nam, also known as Melbourne. We're on the lands of the Wurundjeri people, sovereignty never ceded in the Kulin Nations. I hope everyone is having a fantastic morning on this very warm Melbourne morning. It's exciting to get into spring and start to feel the heat really rise up. Today uh, is uh, marks the day when the federal government are having a big conversation about energy policy. Uh, for a long time at uh, Friends of the Earth, we've had the realisation that uh, the federal government isn't really doing much in terms of progressing the case for uh, climate and energy justice around their energy policies. We're seeing backbenchers and former Prime Minister Tony Abbott say coal is good for humanity. Outrageous! But even worse, he came out the other day and said that climate change would actually start to save lives. With this sort of twisted mentality going on in the background, it's hard to expect that the federal government are going to deliver. At Friends of the Earth, we've realised this, and we've taken for the last five years a real state-based approach in terms of developing uh, policies and ideals around energy use in Victoria. Particularly, we've seen great results with the Andrews government with the introduction of a fracking ban in Victoria and a ban on unconventional gas mining and also an onshore five-year moratorium gas whoop, onshore gas mining five-year moratorium, which sees us out to 2020, which is very exciting. And also the introduction of a Victorian renewable energy target of 40% by 2025, which is really exciting news. However, it's all not safe. There are threats still to uh, both these things at federal and state levels. Um, These wonderful community-led victories are under threat. And today we're joined in the studio by Chloe Eldenhoven, who is a Friends of the Earth campaigner and was a pivotal organiser in the coal and gas Field Free Victoria campaign, which saw the fracking ban in Victoria. And we're also joined by Pat Simons, who is the Yes to Renewables coordinator at Friends of the Earth, um, the collective who stewarded through the Victorian Renewable Energy Target. Good morning to you both. Good morning, Phil. Morning, Phil. Excellent, Chloe. I wanted to start with you. Um, Just a couple of weeks ago, we celebrated the one-year anniversary of the fracking and unconventional gas ban in Victoria. How does it feel one year later? Um, I mean, it still feels fantastic. I think the community is still very high from that victory. It was an amazing victory from a community movement and one of the greatest environmental victories, I think, in Victorian history. And so people Mm. are still, still, I think, in some level of disbelief, still celebrating. Um, And I guess now we're having to come into the defence stage of the win. Um, We had the minister come down to visit some communities who, um, for the celebration of the 
one year anniversary. And he said, look, we really don't want to have to win this thing twice. And mm. I think that's really how the community are feeling at the moment. Um, what what we have seen, um, just to echo what you've said, is um, we took a real state-based approach with our energy policy at Friends of the Earth over the last couple of years. And I think it's really paid off because what we have seen over the last year is the Victorian government having to go out to um, to uh, to confront the federal government in defence of the ban on unconventional gas and fracking, we had um, we had Daniel Andrews and Lily D'Ambrosio be at COAG meetings saying, "No, this was the right policy. This was the right thing to do by the community. This is the right thing to do p- to protect farmland." And we know that the um, the lies that the federal government are pushing about gas are untrue, and that no amount of fracking or unconventional gas or onshore gas mining in Victoria will actually bring down the gas price. So it's been it has been really fantastic and heartening to see the state government go, come and defend the Victorian community in their mm. hard won win at that federal level, um, and it's uh, I guess um, it's been interesting to see the federal government push back, and I think now the community is really starting to um, buckle down and get into defence mode because we really don't want to w- have to win this twice. Yeah, absolutely, and it's uh, it's sad to see government so out of step with communities on the issue. Mm. I wanted to. Go back to uh, where you're talking about the uh, the lies uh, around gas at the federal level. Um, many of the listeners would have heard about the gas shortage or the alleged gas shortage that is uh, around in Australia. Um, it's being used to justify uh, tax not only on the ban on fracking in Victoria, but also to justify opening up the Northern Territory to fracking. How true is this uh, gas shortage? So what the federal government are trying to say is that the high gas prices that we're experiencing at the moment are due to a lack of supply. They're saying that because we're not opening up our farmland in Victoria and the Northern Territory and other places in Australia to fracking, what we're doing is pushing prices up for consumers. And that's just very, very misleading. We actually are still producing a a huge amount of gas out of the Bass Strait in Victoria, out of our offshore gas reserves. Um, The Premier's been saying in the media over the last few weeks that we actually are producing double the amount of gas out of Bass Strait than we use in Victoria currently. Mm. Um, but still, our prices are incredibly high. And um, this, you know, when, when in um, Economics 101, you're, ta- um, you're taught supply and demand. And if you increase supply, you'll lower the price. But in fact, that's not the case here because the majority of the gas that we are mining offshore and onshore in Australia is being exported to Asia. And we once had a protected market. Before we had an export market in Australia, we had we had world's low gas prices of about three to four dollars a gigajoule. Um, they were paying more like fifteen or sixteen dollars a gigajoule for gas in um, in Asian countries. And so, gas companies pushed our federal and Queensland governments to open up a massive export facility in Gladstone in Queensland so that they could open up to these higher prices in the market. So, what we've seen is this because we're now linked to this global market. We've seen a jump in prices to correlate with these international gas prices and that means that we are experiencing increases of the gas price of 300 400% and that is putting a huge amount of pressure on consumers it is putting a huge amount of pressure on manufacturers in Australia but it's not a supply issue if we open up Victoria to fracking or to onshore conventional mining whatever the case may be all we're going to do is provide these export 
companies with more supply to make more profits out of Australian gas. There's absolutely no there's there's no reason why it would bring down prices if they can get fifteen dollars by selling it to Japan. Why the hell would they sell it to Victorian consumers for the three dollars fifty that we were used to? Mm. Um, so we this is a ma- massive failure of national energy policy. It was a huge huge mistake for the Australian economy to have um, created this export facility and decided to export this gas. And honestly, I think the federal government are trying to cover up their gaffe by blaming farmers, by blaming communities who've said no, by blaming the Victorian government for putting in place a ban. And um, it's a it's a very convenient scapegoat for them. If they can continue to distract by putting pressure on Victorian and Victorian and the Northern Territory to um, get, get this fracking going, they don't have to address the fact that they've made this massive blunder in creating an export industry for Australian gas. Sure, and this gaff proneness, if we will, um, seems to be infecting the uh, the state coalition party as well. Not only would we be seeing Matthew Guy come out and suggest that reopening Hazelwood would be um, his uh, vision for uh, Victoria's energy future, but he's actually looking at um, overturning some of the the great work that the community's done in terms of uh, in terms of gas banning. Um, can you walk us through what uh, Matthew Guy's plan was for gas in Victoria? So last Monday, Matthew Guy, uh, Matthew Guy and the opposition came out and said they had a new gas policy, that their policy was that they would pay farmers and landholders 10% royalties if they allowed conventional onshore gas um, to be drilled on their land. And they said that they were going to create some kind of Victorian domestic reserve to bring down prices for Victorians. And I, I think the most important thing yeah, – there, there are two important things to remember here. The, fir- the first one is that there's probably no conventional onshore gas in Victoria. Throughout the campaign, we consulted with a lot of geologists, a lot of mining engineers, and they told us, sure, there's a lot of gas um, onshore in Victoria, but you're going to need fracking. You're going to need these unconventional techniques if you're going to release it. There's probably no conventional onshore gas because companies have been exploring onshore in Victoria since the 1960s. And if they had found this big wealth of gas there, like enough to bring down the domestic price, for instance, they would have found it, they would have exploited it by now. Mm. So to suggest that the gas is there is quite misleading in the first place. To suggest that farmers would make any money out of a 10% royalties of what's probably next to nothing is just uh, it's just misleading. Um, and finally, they've said that they can somehow... Um, they can somehow stop Victorian gas from heading into the rest of the eastern seaboard market and therefore off into this um, export facility in Gladstone. But from what we've heard, to, to stop the market at the state border like that is actually un- unconstitutional. So we think it's been a very misleading policy from the from Matthew Guy's um, opposition. They're saying that they can bring down prices for Victorian consumers and According to that policy, we just don't think that that's true. The gas isn't there. The policy is unconstitutional. There's no... The, um, really, it's just, again, a distraction from the national energy policy. And we think that the federal government have just put on pr- pressure on them to put out some kind of policy to, to then again demonise the fracking ban and demonise um, the Andrews government's decision. But it's a non-policy. Yeah, sure. I'm wondering, um, I know many farmers out there are doing it tough, so this sounds like an attractive offer in terms of getting royalties. Um, Has there been any sort of reaction? 
Look, I, I mean, the, the reaction from people who've been involved in the campaign for a long time is that they know that this is an absolute furphy. They know that this is ridiculous. And a lot of them also think that um, that lifting the moratorium on conventional gas is actually going to be a Trojan horse for bringing in fracking later. They're going to be promising jobs. Mm. They're going to be promising this massive industry. But actually, at the end of the day, they're going to have to frack to make that happen. So most um, most people understand that. And um, I think I think that's why this has been a, a huge mistake from the, the guy opposition to, to release a policy like this. And we're only going to see that backlash continue as we get closer and closer to a state election. Sure. And gas is often touted as a kind of transition fuel as we move from a coal-based economy, uh, energy economy, into the uh, the energy future. However, that looks, and we'll probably find out a little bit later today about that. I'm wondering, um, in terms of uh, um, pure economics, how is gas comparing to renewables at the moment, Pat? Uh, well... Just a couple of days ago, uh, there was some some research put out that that found that in September, uh, wind and solar actually produced m- more energy. In, this is in the electricity system mm. uh, than than gas Australia wide. And at, what we're seeing at the moment with wind and solar is the price is dramatically coming down, and you know increasingly um, even cheaper than 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 coal. Uh, in in the energy market, gas is is actually one of the most expensive uh, forms of electricity. Um, when when we use gas for um, you know actual <laughs> generators, and and we've seen the impact of that in in South Australia, um, in Victoria, and other states where gas uh, generators bid into the market, and they actually um, they're gaming the system and they're pushing up prices and they often sometimes they bid in at prices like thirteen thousand dollars a megawatt hour, which is just absurd. Mm. So compared to wind and wind and solar, are actually the cheapest new forms of energy, and gas is one of the most expensive. Yeah, that's uh, um, worrying news. We're talking to Chloe and Pat about uh, the energy policy basically in Victoria, gas and renewables. I want to continue the uh, conversation in a moment, but first let's hear a community service announcement about a very important issue. 3CR is actively advocating for equality in the lead-up to the National Postal Survey on same-sex marriage. As such, we will not give airtime to the No campaign on the basis that it is prejudiced, homophobic and harmful to LGBTIQ people and our families. Our community may hold different views on marriage as an institution, yet we agree this postal survey is a political stunt designed to appease prejudiced and homophobic views. 3CR will continue to advocate for equality in all areas. At this particular time in our political climate, we need to ensure that our members, friends and colleagues know that 3CR is a safe space for all our community. In 2016, 3CR published a book to celebrate the station's 40th birthday. 
years in the making, Radical Radio, celebrating 40 years of 3CR, is a visually stunning account of the people and ideas that make up this dynamic station. At 300 pages, the book includes hundreds of images and over 50 features on programs, people, music and technology from across the decades. You can get your copy of 3CR's book for $49.50 at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Or online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Get a piece of your own history. 3CR's Radical Radio is available now. And you're listening to Dirt Radio on 3CR, Friends of the Earth's radio show, bringing you digging down into the dirt of activism to see what's going on around in our community. Uh, We've been talking in the studio with Pat Simons and Chloe Eldenhoven, who are both campaigners at Friends of the Earth uh, working on gas and uh, renewable energy projects. We were just talking about the uh, recent policy announcement from the Matthew Guy opposition in Victoria, uh, basically giving uh, farmers or offering farmers royalties to um, allow gas mining on their land. And we started to move into alternatives, looking at the renewable energy uh, sector and how that compares to what's going on with gas. Um, Pat outlined that there was already more uh, renewable energy in terms of energy production in Australia. I also wanted to touch on, with that policy that Matthew Guy suggested around royalties for farmers and putting gas on their land, is there an alternative um, in terms of renewable energy in Victoria? Uh, sorry, could you just repeat the question? So, in uh, so the offer of putting royalties for farmers to uh, to basically shore mm-hmm. up some sort of income stream um, from uh, having gas wells on their land um, is there an alternative <laughs> for energy production? Yeah, so with renewable energy uh, generation, landowners, um, o- often farmers, typically receive uh, a royalty of some sort, uh, which uh, contributes to a kind of drought-proof income stream. And that's already happening. That's a that's an industry standard uh, in the renewable energy energy industry. Uh, what we would like to see is is actually for those benefits to be broadened out. Sometimes they might just go to um, the landowner who hosts a wind turbine, for example, and maybe some for the neighbour. But you know, in in our opinion, we should be broadening those benefits out. But that's a, that's already a um, that's already an industry standard. And, uh, yeah, so that there is an alternative form of drought-proof income for farmers that's actually a clean source of energy. Yeah, and I can imagine, um, Chloe, uh, when you're out having conversations with farmers, I mean, is it gas wells or a wind turbine that they prefer on their property? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really important question. And I think it's also about the... Um, the community absorbing the impacts as well because the gas property, um, the gas well might be on the property next to you or it might be on a property down the road. But if there's a contamination incident or if you're experiencing the blowback of air pollution, you're, you need compensation. You need to um, – and there's, it's, there's no guarantee that the rest of the community is going to get any kind of reparations or anything for, for something that goes wrong if an agreement is just between a company in a single landholder mm. and that's why we think the communities need to be making decisions about these projects together mm. and a policy like the one that Matthew Guy is trying to introduce is going to divide communities because if there's and if one farmer is making money and the rest of the community is anxious about the impacts it just divides communities unnecessarily 
Mm. And we've seen already that there is like that broad consensus that, you know, coal and gas isn't welcome in. I mean, it's 90, up in the 90% for most communities in Victoria. So, uh, so it's a bit of a concern that, um, that, you know, that the community would be split on these issues. Um, Pat, when you're out talking to, uh, people in, in rural communities, like, are they, are they agnostic about the kind of energy use they use or are they favoring renewable energy? I think a lot of people recognise that we need to go to renewables and, you know, the question is about how, how we do that. And often the farmers that I've spoken to who are, you know, who are wind farmers, uh, they, they consider it a vital source of um, an additional income stream for managing a complex business. Like farming is hard work mm. and it's, you know, particularly with the changes to the climate, um, having that additional income from, from wind energy or solar is really valuable. Um, you know, the other question is, how, how do we bring communities along? And, and really, we should be putting communities at front and centre of um, the way that the renewable energy industry develops in this state. But that's the opportunity we have um, with the renewable energy target in place. And it's cut, the, the call has come from the community for this re- ambitious renewable energy policy. So, um, yeah, there is that interest and passion. Sure. A couple of weeks ago, the legislation for the Victorian renewable energy target passed through the upper house. Uh, the lower house, sorry. <laughs> Get my politics right. Believe it or not, I've got a degree in politics as well. <laughs> um, so um, today there's a, or tomorrow or this week, there's a challenge going on uh, around getting it through the upper house. How is that looking? Yeah, so it's it's looking pretty good. Uh, so last week, uh, the Yes Renewables team, we met with one of the upper house MPs, Fiona Patton, who's the uh up house member for the Reason Party, former Sex Party, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Um, so we we went to the reservoir, um, the the Hawkers Brewery and Reservoir, which is a solar powered brewery. They've got 190 solar panels on their roof. Um, it's helping them cut their electricity costs. It's you know they're really passionate about action on climate change, and you know we were really happy to see Fiona pledge to vote yes to the, to the VRET, and you know that's really welcome. Mm. And uh, you know we are also expecting the uh the the vret um the renewable energy target to pass with the support of james purcell who's the uh, member for western victoria uh for local jobs first and he's been a, a strong supporter of renewable energy particularly to grow jobs in the region whether that's portland or elsewhere Sure. I saw the uh, leader of the Nationals uh, come out um, to defend the gas policy that Matthew Guy put out, um, saying that it would create jobs. But in reality, there's more jobs in renewable, isn't there? Well, yeah, this policy is predicted to create around 10,000 jobs over the next eight years. And it's it's a real plan for the energy system and, and transitioning to renewables. And and yet the opposition, whether that's the Liberal or the National Party, they're saying we want a, a plan to grow jobs but they've already pledged to vote against the VRAT. So it's it's kind of ridiculous. There's quite a lot of hypocrisy there. Yeah, for sure. Um, I wonder, like, uh, we've so the Victorian Renewable Energy Target, it's uh, 25% by 2020 and 40% by 2025. We're currently about 12 or 13%, is that right? Yeah, yeah. There's, you know, there's some discrepancy around the exact number at the moment, but it's around that, around 14%, yeah, and those numbers are correct. Yeah, for sure. Um, many listeners may be thinking, like, how do we get to the pathway to 100% renewables? So I was wondering if you could tell us about, you know, like, uh, how important is this milestone and how important is it in terms of the pathway to get Victoria on the path to 100% renewable? Yeah, that's a really good question. So, you know, about a decade ago, Beyond Zero Emissions put out this landmark report 
uh, the stationary energy plan, it set out how you could go to 100% renewables over, say, a decade. Mm. And, you know, one of the, some of the things that they suggested was really big investments in, in solar thermal generation, um, considering pumped hydro, other forms of energy storage. So I think the pathway to get to, to 100% renewables, we've already got this plan for 40%, um, but with the way that um, energy storage technology... We've got a pooch in the... <laughs> in the studio today wagging their tail um you know the the costs and the and the change in technology for energy storage is 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 happening really quickly um we saw we saw the announcement recently of for the the new solar thermal power station in port augusta following that very long campaign by repower port, port augusta and the price for that contract is really low it's going to be one of the biggest solar thermal power stations in the world. It's going to provide 24-7 solar power. Now, that is exactly the sort of thing that, that Victoria can start to look at because we have this ambitious policy in place. So it's kind of about combining the different sources of wind, solar, energy storage, whether that's um, solar thermal pumped hydro batteries. Like, There's going to be a mix of technologies. Sure. So what I'm hearing from you both is that the fights aren't over, despite the fact um, the momentous win in terms of the the um, historic fracking ban in Victoria and the fact that um, hopefully this week we'll have a legislated Victorian renewable energy target. You know, like uh, whilst we've won these things, the fight goes on in terms of protecting and making sure that we can cement them uh, into our long term future. Uh Chloe, how can people get involved in terms of uh, campaigning around gas and protecting the fracking ban in Victoria? Um, that's an excellent question, Phil. So at Friends of the Earth, the collective that has um, really taken on this issue of unconventional gas and fracking has been the Quick Coal Collective, who meet every Wednesday at 6 o'clock upstairs at FOE. And they're continuing some really important solidarity work with the communities in Northern Territory who are facing um, fracking up there. Um, I mean, the 90% uh, roughly of the Northern Territory landmass is covered in exploration licences for fracking and unconventional gas. Um, we heard recently at the Northern Territory Fracking Inquiry that just the development of one of those basins could create more greenhouse gases than the entire Adani Carmichael mine project. So mm. this is a massive climate issue as well as an issue of um, you know, the um, environmental justice on the ground. Um, in the Northern Territory there is the eruption of an amazing movement there. It's a coalition of pastoralists and Aboriginal groups who are really, um, who are really fighting back and they've managed to get a moratorium on fracking there and we really hope that they can push to stop the industry entirely and if you come along to those quick call meetings on Wednesday at six o'clock we can talk more about how we can do some solidarity work to try and help them achieve um, a ban in the Northern Territory. Yeah fantastic and uh, that's uh, the quick call collective at Friends of the Earth 312 Smith Street six o'clock on Wednesdays Um, and you can check out quickcoal.org.au if you want to read more about uh, what that campaign's been up to. And renewable energy, Pat. Yeah, so the the campaign is uh, the Yes to Renewables campaign, and we meet every Tuesday at Friends of the Earth, same spot on Smith Street at uh, around six thirty upstairs. And yeah, once the the VRED is is signed, sealed, delivered, you know what we're looking at is how do we make the most out of this transition? You know, can we develop opportunities for local manufacturing in Victoria? Where's you know where are the opportunities in energy storage? So we're really looking at how do we make the most out of this and and really like create a new economy in renewables. 
Sure. And it's uh, such exciting times at Faux. Um, you can jump onto melbourne.faux.org.au to read more about um, the uh, the huge amount of campaigns going on at Friends of the Earth. And people are always welcome to come in and get involved um, in the uh, flat anti-hierarchical organising models that we use, um, which means everyone gets to say, um, no matter what experience, um, come along and get involved. Um, I want to thank you both for coming into the studio today and tackling these huge and important subjects. Thanks, Chloe. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Phil. Around Friends of the Earth, there's still a lot of other work going on. Our Forest Collective is out at the moment, leafleting uh, the seat of Northcote in the up, uh, f- preparing for the upcoming by-election uh, there. Um, it's looking like a two-horse race between uh, Labor and Greens. So uh, it's really important that we get the Great Forest National Park and talk about the Emerald Link in terms of important uh, issues for that campaign. Uh, so if you want to get involved in that, the Forest Collective meeting, the next one is on the 19th of October. Oh, hang on, that's... Yep, the 19th of October on Thursday. So um, you can get along to that one at 6pm at FAUX. Um, coming up as well in the climate and energy justice space, there's a few uh, really important rallies, and they're all on November the 1st. So if you can do it, maybe uh, organise getting the... Uh Getting the uh, a bit of feedback in the studio there, uh, getting uh, the day off so you can um, get along to uh, at ten thirty meeting at the Parliament of Victoria to stand for climate leadership uh, in Victoria with the Act on Climate Collective, and then later on down at the International Mining Conference, um, there's a Stop Adani event. So uh, people are going to get down there while the CEO of Adani is inside presenting at an international mining conference about trying to sell off his uh, a sell up his, well, I say doomed and ill-fated mining operation up at Carmichael. So November the 1st, if you want to find more events around what's going on at Friends of the Earth, you can always jump onto our Facebook page. So it's facebook.com forward slash Melbourne, F-O-E Melbourne. And there's uh, lots of events and exciting ways that you can get involved with the huge number of campaigns and collectives at Friends of the Earth.